BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So a lot of the textures are asking this, and I've seen this, but I haven't confirmed it. Is it true, because you were talking up the bailout last hour, um, uh, it's is not it a bailout. true that Sacramento Valley... Uh, or whatever it's called, Silicon Valley Bank executives got bonuses the week of the rescue or whatever you want to call it, and uh, did the uh, the top guy uh, cash out a whole bunch of his stock? Yeah, I heard that was a couple of weeks before it all went to hell. Yeah, I have heard that. Hmm. So they got some, you know, uh, out of there in time. How that works legally, I, I don't know. Hell. But uh, all I know is that uh, everybody else who didn't, you know, investors, uh, management, whatever, they're all out of work. The bank exists no more. And you're still saying we should all go to our banks today and take out all our money because no, there's a decent chance of No, I'm of not collapse. saying. No, oh, I've never not? said that. Certainly not. Oh, no. I must no, have misinterpreted Everybody you. keep cool. So a couple of uh, notes here before we get into the main thrust of this segment. I could have uh, had Michael set up a tsunami of wokeness or a campus madness or whatever theme music we have for these little featurettes, but a couple of quick stories before we give you the uh, update uh, on the Stanford University situation. The situation being uh, the administration has lost control of Stanford University. The militant student Red Guard has taken it over. Um, a couple of notes. A Virginia's teachers, Virginia Teachers Union is pushing educators to defy the state ban on teaching critical race theory to kids as young as five years old, according to the Wall Street Journal. 
The Virginia Education Association last month published a Black Lives Matter at School Toolkit intended for elementary to high school students, quote, for a week of action that flies in the face of an executive order from the governor that prohibits the teaching of that racist, racist claptrap. Um, so that is really interesting. That is bold. They're just going to violate the law and see what happens. Where did I see the mainstream media interview yesterday? What was I watching? They're going on and on about Ron DeSantis not allowing slavery to be taught in Florida. I thought they're just liars. They're idiots or liars or both. Is anybody going to interject? Is anybody going to interject here that you're talking about something that didn't happen? But they went on and on about it. Where was that? I'll have to dig that up. Unbelievable. So uh, one more quick note before we get into the Sanford situation. Maybe you've heard that uh, activist and former NFL quarterback uh, quarterback Colin Kaepernick is out with a new like graphic novel autobiography yeah. thing in which that. he claims his loving and supportive adoptive parents were problematic and perpetuated racism in his upbringing. He mentions that, for instance, uh, he tried out a hairstyle and they didn't like it. And uh, that was proof of the racism. Uh, Colin, I tried out a hairstyle or two that my parents didn't like. And I don't think they were racist against me. But at any rate, uh, it's pointed out here in the uh, Washington Free Beacon that uh, Colin reps a company that has actual slaves, slave labor and child labor in their supply chains. Oh, Nike. Current slaves and you know how they choose who's going to be a slave by their ethnicity is this starting to ring a bell and these people give you millions of dollars and you glower for them to sell their products so excuse us if we're not that interested in you uh, bad-mouthing your poor parents who gave you uh, love and support and money and and the life that you have now as you know it yeah i read some of the quotes God, I would think you'd be willing to cut a little slack to the people who did the amazing thing of adopting a kid and raising them as their own. I mean, that's a heck of a thing. And uh, yeah. yeah, well, this is how crazy ideologues get. On the other hand, Colin, I will uh, concede this to you. I wasn't there when you were being raised. Right, right, right. That's what I thought, too. It's your um, story to tell. From a sports standpoint, the most interesting thing to me was that he's still holding out hope that a team is going to take him. So he's still working out every day thinking, yeah. I'm going to get my shot. He's getting kind of old, isn't he? He's still young enough. Yeah, I guess. What do they use? Usually in an article, for some reason, you always give somebody's age. Michael, look up Colin Kaepernick's age. I'm yeah. going with... Make yourself useful, would you? I'm going with... 29. 33. Oh, really? What do you got, Michael? Or Hanson? Or whoever wants to Google Colin Kaepernick's age? This is exciting, everybody. Is this on? He's 35. Oh, 35. Wow. Yeah. I was getting older. Yeah, I, yeah. I clearly it's, won. So you're going to take a 35-year-old who's going to make at least half of your fans probably hate you, and probably not. Here's this big poster. Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Just do it. Nike needs to amend that, uh, that uh, slogan for China to just do it or we'll beat you. Ooh. I'm Joe Getty. Joe Getty, not down with the swoosh. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, no. 
Moving along, back to Stanford. Do you remember this delightful episode? We uh, talked about it, I think it was yesterday. A uh, federal judge, uh, an appeals court judge, was there talking to the law school. And because he was of a somewhat conservative bent, of course, the little Maoists there uh, shouted him down. Clip number 90, Michael. Do you want to do you want Is that okay? Is that okay? So you've invited me to speak here, and I've been heckled nonstop. And I'm just asking for an administrator to sign. That's an administrator. You're racism to show. I would like to know. Wait, if you want a marketplace of ideas, you've gotten what you wanted. Take it. All right, so he says, we got to have an administrator here. This is chaos. Unfortunately, the administrator he got was one of your assistant deans of diversity, equity, and inclusion, this uh, Tyrion Steinbach character who unleashed this, 91. And again, I still ask, is the juice worth the squeeze? What is that? I mean, is it worth the pain that this causes and the division that it causes? Do you have something so incredible important to say about twitter and guns and COVID that that is worth this impact on the division of these people who have sat next to each other for years who are going through what is the battle of law school together so that they can go out into the world and be advocates and this is the division that scots when i say is the juice worth the squeeze that's what i'm asking is this worth it so he asks, so all right, shut up, lady. He asks for an administrator, and he gets this DEI lunatic who lectures him on having the gall to come when he's invited to speak. And look at the damage you're doing. <laughs> look at the divisions you're creating. <laughs> and the whole, these people have been together through the battle of law school. Shut up. Your kids who've ended up at Stanford Law somehow, you'll be okay. I have a feeling your lives are pretty good, have been pretty good, and will continue to be pretty good. You're at yeah. Stanford Law. Don't give me the whole battle of law school crap. And then the and then her saying they're going out to be advocates. So you've already predetermined what their opinions should be on things. Okay, well oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, we don't teach you how to think anymore. We teach you what to think at Stanford. Well, unfortunately, or you know what? Honest to God, fortunately, the inevitable effect of empowering young Maoists like this is you lose control of the institution. So the uh, law school's dean, Jenny Martinez, and the uh, president of the university apologized to the judge for the utter disrespect with which he was treated by the students and the idiot uh, Maoist Marxist administrator gal well then of course hundreds of Stanford student activists on Monday lined the hallways to protest the school's uh, dean for apologizing to Fifth Circuit Court uh, appellate judge Kyle Duncan who they shouted down last week the embattled dean arrived to the classroom where she teaches constitutional law to find a whiteboard covered inch to inch in flyers attacking Duncan and defending those who disrupted him according to photos of the room multiple eyewitnesses etc the flyers parroted the argument made by student activists that the heck veto is a form of free speech preventing wow. other people from speaking is a form of free speech which thinking people have rejected for centuries because it's utterly unworkable we the students in your constitutional law class are sorry for exercising our first amendment rights some flyers read as a private law school stanford is not bound by the first amendment they say 
the protest followed a flurry of open letters from student activists who spent much of the weekend berating the dean after she and the president issued a formal apology to the judge, condemning the students who disrupted the talk and the administrators who stood by silently, watched them to do so, watched them do so, and actually encouraged them. The apology also took a swipe at this Tyrion Steinbeck Maoist, the law school's associate dean of diversity, equity, and perversion, who interrupted the judge to lecture him about the harm he'd caused. When Martinez, that's the uh, the law school dean's class, adjourned on Monday, the protesters dressed in black and wearing face masks that read, counter speech is free speech, stared silently as she exited her constitutional law class. Oh, uh, my this- God. I like how these 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 brave revolutionaries on the oh Stanford God, campus yeah. and your Stanford students for crying out loud, which almost guarantees that you come from a background of privilege. Um, you're so happy that like you accomplished something if this conservative leaning judge doesn't speak there. Whoop de doo. You are safe from everything, including anybody ever disagreeing with you. And you act like you're Jay freaking Guevara, you little Maoist babies. You're the ugliest sort of human being. You truly are. You're a coward. You're afraid to face any arguments you don't agree with. You, you, you lack the intellectual heft to counter them. You're an angry little baby. You disgust me. Let's see, there's a little more to that. Uh, Stanford National Lawyers Guild Saturday that Martinez had thrown, quote, capable and compassionate administrators under the bus. Uh, The apology only made the situation worse. That's the Stanford National Lawyers Guild, whatever that is. Uh, And Stanford Law School's chapter of the American Constitution Society expressed outrage that the uh, the dean and president had framed Duncan, the judge, as a victim when, in fact, he had made civil dialogue impossible. Look at that quote. He had made civil dialogue impossible by having an opposing view. And it goes on in, in the same manner for a while. I wish they'd read what uh, Christopher Hitchens wrote many times or or said many times later in his life. So he was a student at Oxford back in the 60s and uh, shut down uh, a speaker once as students and was very proud of himself for, like, getting the microphones turned off or something like that with some people they disagreed with. Well, he decided fairly quickly later in life that that was a horrible thing to do, and he was against that completely. And uh, and 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 was really into that for the rest of his life. No, you got to let people speak, and then you know you make your arguments against them. Um, so I, you know, I just I, I wish that I wish that would catch on. Yeah, I certainly hope it will again because it absolutely smacks of, of, of totalitarian societies. Oh, wow! Your racist is showing. Says the angry little twit. If I remember correctly, Stanford is one of the very beginning places for the free speech movement right going back to the uh the 60s i remember reading about that because you know we all know about berkeley but there was another Mm. great incident at stanford i'll have to dig that back up again but to for it to be where it is now from then is uh quite amazing yeah, it is indeed. There's another story I wanted to get to. We don't really have time right now, but a, a DEI officer of a woke California college started asking questions about how well the policies were working and was immediately fired for even asking the questions about her own department. We'll get to that story maybe later in the hour. Awesome. A lot of good stuff. And I want to hear more about that chat GPT stuff. We got a fair number of texts about the bias in uh, in uh, in AI. Um, our text line is... 
Our, your racism is showing. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The Armstrong and Getty Show. They call it the heckler's veto, don't you know? Meaning that if somebody's willing to shout loud enough and long enough, they can silence anybody. And I'm sure you can picture that if there are five opinions represented in a room, and all five of them decide that's a fair tactic to use against the other four, the effort at reaching any sort of understanding or anybody learning anything is completely over and will never, ever happen. The heckler's veto is utterly immoral and cowardly. Anyway, enough said on that topic. So um, I, uh, I'm trying to catch up on this thing. An alert texture got us to this. So the Treasury is finally looking into some possible influence peddling on the Biden family. Are you aware of this story? This is just coming out this morning from Jonathan Turley. Um, Time's Up is his headline. Treasury finally agrees to turn over Hunter Biden transaction reports. For years, members of Congress have asked for access to suspicious activity reports, SARS. I'm unfamiliar with this term. I I am familiar with that. Uh, Yeah. Related to the Biden family's foreign business deals. Those efforts were cut off by the Biden administration and the democratically controlled houses of Congress. Well, now the GOP can look into it. Treasury Department is looking into it. Let me skip down here because this is where it gets really interesting. Uh, This morning, the Oversight Committee chair, James Corner, Republican, Kentucky, revealed that the first SARS report shows money going from China to three Biden family members, including one not previously discussed as a recipient of such money. 
Jonathan Turley, law professor, George Washington University, goes on to write. It I'm is guessing not we're clear. not talking about 250 bucks either. Serious money. Yeah. Yeah. It is not clear what these SARS will reveal, but the effort to prevent any congressional investigation is striking. This investigation goes to an alleged corrupt effort to sell influence. Many Democrats and legal experts have objected that influence peddling is not a crime. However, it is corrupt and squarely within the oversight authority of Congress. Indeed, if it is not a matter for criminal charges, such congressional action may be the only way to force accountability for corrupt efforts to sell influence and access. So it looks to me like it would, all you could do is just expose it and it would have political ramifications, I guess. Well, I would probably need a legal scholar to explain how influence peddling is not a crime when bribery is. Well, uh, he is a legal uh, scholar. and You have to yeah. show a direct quid pro quo, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Turley said, we will now have access to hard data on the dates, amounts, senders, and recipients of money transfers. That will reduce the speculation over the alleged influence peddling efforts and allow for a fuller understanding of what occurred in the Biden family business. So Jonathan Turley, uh, who's a pretty smart guy, seems to think this is a big deal that this has moved into a new arena. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So with all the Trump investigations going on, you got this going on as we head toward a presidential election in 24. Won't that be exciting? Armstrong and Getty. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Strong and Getty Show. We got this text. There is a TikTok challenge now on how to hotwire a Kia or a Hyundai with just a screwdriver and a USB cable. Hmm. And this texter says, My Hyundai was stolen, fortunately recovered with not a lot of damage by this prank banned TikTok. I don't know if that's a TikTok issue because that information would get out some other way, but that's all it takes is a screwdriver and a USB cable to start your car. I'll be done. Yeah. Wow. 
Um, you weren't here on Friday. You had abandoned the show during its time of need. But we had Mike Lyons on to talk about uh, Ukraine and a couple of other things. And we were talking about what's going on in Bakhmut. He's kind of of the belief, well, he was actually quoting from the art of war, that knowing when to fight is as important as, you know, all, all other things about fighting. And he, mm-hmm. he thinks that because Bakhmut is not strategic, they, they should not be expending the men and resources that it takes uh, against Russia to hang on to it. I don't know. Who knows what uh, Ukraine's ultimate strategy is or what our strategy is with them or whatever. But it is gruesome what's going on there. Man, it is some old school World War One to or World War One and World War Two like battles, and I have a feeling uh, songs, books, and movies will be made about that battle someday. Yeah, I understand. Which, a couple of days ago was the deadliest day so far for Russian troops, allegedly. Which is uh, saying I did not know that, but I know even before that day, it was uh, five to one Russians dying to Ukrainians dying. Lots of people are dying, but five to one should Russians to Ukrainians. But Russia basically won World War Two with that strategy. Yeah, we'll go ahead and lose 12 Russians to every you know, German or allied other allied forces to uh, to win. We'll just throw that many people at it. It's gruesome. Anyway, we're going to check in here with a Rand senior policy researcher who was on Morning Joe on MSNBC today about what's going on. And it's not just the number of losses that Russia has sustained. Casualty estimates at this point are 120,000 plus, depending on who you ask. But it's the troops themselves that were lost in the beginning. So your most advanced um, equipment, your best trained professional troops. Right now you're seeing subsequent waves of mobilized forces that receive days to weeks of training. That's also happening on the Ukrainian side as well. So we're seeing a different makeup in both of these militaries with very high intensity, high attritional types of battles. This is taking a toll on both sides. High attritional battles. That's a hell of a term for lots of guys getting killed and wounded. Yeah, that's a very academic phrase for slaughter. Yeah, I saw a bit of analysis uh, earlier today that said that the Ukrainians, their uh, casualties have been high enough that a lot of their best troops, their regular troops, are now hurt or dead. And they're having to dig a little deeper, too. And that's really going to hurt their efforts uh, this spring. Well, that's isn't what that just she, she just suggested that on yeah. the Ukrainian mm-hmm. side. Also, they're doing days or weeks of training. Mm. Oof. Before we get to more from that particular person about the way Russia treats their soldiers versus Ukraine. I just came across this from CNN. Russia is sending U.S. provided weapons captured in Ukraine to Iran. So when Russia doesn't make a lot of gains and is not capturing a lot of weapons. But when they are, they're sending them to Iran so Iran can reverse engineer them and figure out our technology and everything. That's according and to And presumably build more for Russia? Or themselves, yeah. Because we have the best technology out there. Love that. Uh, that's troubling. Uh, let's hear more from that Rand policy person. This weekend, there was a funeral in Kyiv for a commander who was killed. And the chief of general staff in Ukraine, General Zeluzhny, went, um, as well as President Zelensky and some of the other heads of services. And General Zeluzhny went before the family of the fallen and kneeled before them in the funeral. And I, I thought, yes, it was symbolic in some ways, but I think that is a very important gesture for the Ukrainian people to know that their leadership cares about them and that they are considered defenders. I can't 
countenance um, General Grasimov ever doing the same thing. I, I, I've never seen that kind of care or concern um, from the Russian general staff at this point. And keep in mind, before the war started, from multiple reports now, most of the rank and file were not informed that they were going into Ukraine until the day of. And so that kind of callousness has um, just undermined their effort from the start. Well, that is uh, from a human, uh, you know, humanity standpoint. It's obviously very nice that Ukraine treats their war dead with some respect and acknowledgement, whereas Russia doesn't care. But Russia didn't care during World War II either, and they won by doing that. It's well, gruesome, I, but you can, you can win doing that. I remember so clearly the first time I really studied the American Civil War, and uh, I was rooting for the Union side, <laughs> and. Um, and it was shocking how the Union lost and lost and lost. Or even when it didn't clearly lose, it lost more men. And it was very discouraging. And I'm thinking, hey, my uh, my my ball team is losing all the games here. But we had, we, the Union had so many more men and so much greater industrial capacity. We could lose three to two every single battle, just as long as we kept killing uh, Johnny Reb. And that's the grim expression on U.S. Grant's face and all those pictures that you see of me because he knew that's exactly what was going on we're just going to keep engaging them they'll run out of men before we do oh that is gruesome man yeah it is it's a horror um so i don't know if you've been following this so there's that wagner group that private army that's on the side of putin or whatever run by putin's chef they call him mostly because he used to be putin's chef but now he a good uh, nickname now, yeah, now he he runs that uh, that military outfit that is is disciplined and trained and well armed and everything like that. But well, they were, they've been complaining a lot lately. Hey, you're hanging us out to dry. We don't have any bullets. We don't have any guns. We don't have anything you want. And you're wanting us to go out there. So that's kind of an interesting split that that Putin's chef, one of his closest um, advisors, supporters, has been speaking publicly pretty anti what putin's doing right now so that could be a split we could all watch for hmm it'd be great to see that fall apart yeah i just saw a headline i'd like to see see him turn that wagner group around and march right back into moscow and just decide to take over the country of course he might end up being worse than putin oh yeah i don't think that guy's any trait yevgeny prigozhin uh the headline in the new york times russia's mercenary chief prepares ground for a political advance uh, he says his Wagner group will shrink when the battle for the Ukrainian city of Bakhmut is done. Now he's maneuvering on the home front for the favor of President Vladimir V. Putin. Yeah. So, okay, he's looking for more political power. Who knows what's going on in that Game of Thrones or what the ultimate end game is? Yeah, that's a good description of it. That's exactly what it is. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, Tucker Carlson put the question to all the presidential candidates, the Republican candidates, do you think... Supporting Ukraine is in our vital national interest, and Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Currently, the only two candidates that matter in the polling are both no's on that question. Which is interesting. Yeah, I think, uh, as we discussed earlier, I thought DeSantis's answer was, was fairly nuanced and was some expert needle threading um, to not make too definitive a statement about withdrawing support for Ukraine, but made it absolutely clear to those who are highly concerned that World War III will break out or we're going too far, that he wasn't going to go too far. Um, he did state pretty unequivocally, though, that it's not in U.S. Uh, uh, critical interests 
national security interests to get involved in this thing. So that was interesting. I'm not sure to what extent he means it and what he means by it, but it's early. It's early. And as I said, if you take a strong stand on a controversial issue, controversial within your party even, you're a fool at this point. Be all things to all people. Be an empty vessel. If you want to win politically or if you want to be mm-hmm. a decent human being, those are not exactly the same thing. Well, if you don't win politically, you don't get to do anything. Oh! Back to the great Charles Krauthammer principle. Oh! You got to get the grubby part right to do the things that matter. Oh, the reality of that is tough. Grow up, Jack. Why don't you go to Stanford and heckle the judges, you child? You child. Do you think DeSantis needs to fly around with press on his plane asking questions, or can he get away with not? Because so far he's not. Oh, uh, I think he could get away with not. Although, the whole time? You know, or just for now? Uh, for now, yeah. Yeah. I just I read some really interesting analysis of that earlier today uh, about who was, uh, who was talking about. Oh, it was um, Dave Drucker, who we've talked to from the Washington Examiner for years and years. He's now with the Dispatch, and he was writing a piece in the Dispatch that sooner or later, it's to Republicans' benefit to engage in the mainstream media. Get your arguments out there. Let people take a look at it. Because though the media is biased, they have pretty broad readership, including some persuadables. So at some point, he'll engage them. But man, it's so damn early. Wake, okay. wake me when it starts. <laughs> well, I guess yeah, it has no started, kidding. more or less. What time is it? Do you want to talk more about the chat GPT thing? Or I do. I do want to hear more about that. Oh, it's crazy I, like, like you like you said earlier, I have been surprised to find out quite a few people I know use it like daily. I've and not to amuse themselves, not, not like for a conversation with Shakespeare. Right. Or to see if it's going to hit on you. Mm-hmm. They use it for their jobs. Teachers, yeah. researchers. I know somebody who's like in a social work who does using it on a daily basis. You know, I where is that? I highlighted it. It was so interesting. Dang it. I'll never find it. I got a stack of stuff over here. Um, but one of the things they pointed out that ChatGBT is so much better than like Google at. And, and the article I was reading was all about how Google is terrified. Was picture if, for instance, uh, Judy and I, we want to take a big vacation to Italy. We're going to go to Tuscany and go drink the wine and eat the pasta and enjoy the rolling hills of that beautiful part of the country. Um, I could go onto Google and say, uh, top uh, tours of Tuscany. And I would get a bunch of, you know, blue links to all sorts of stuff. Most of it was pushed by Google because they got paid off. I'd have to sort through all of that stuff. And I'd find a bunch of them and then maybe highlight my favorites and make notes about them, blah, blah, blah. Chat GPT, you could say, design me a seven-day itinerary in Tuscany and it would use its artificial intelligence to pick out a variety of places that were you know close enough to each other and then uh, the transportation options the rest of it uh, it could do you an itinerary as opposed to 317 uh, you know links to click on right and it would do it in like two seconds yeah and you could go in there and fine-tune it obviously but there it is if it if that itinerary does not include the Museum of Medieval Torture, which I saw oh, in Tuscany. That was one of my favorite things so I've ever seen in my many life. many tortures. <laughs> so gruesome. I remember when you brought back a report to the show from that. It was uh, It still haunts my dreams. 
Oh, the yes. other example they the, gave. The, the goat's tongue. Google that sometime. Oh, no, don't. Don't. You don't want the goat's tongue. Barbaric. No, you, you know, uh, much of the goat is delightful, but the tongue, you don't want it. <laughs> but the other example it said was, um, uh, what was it? Oh, you could say, hey, I'm making chicken marsala tonight. Uh, make me my shopping list. And ChatGPT would go find a popular recipe for chicken marsala and, and do you a shopping list. Everything you need to buy at the grocery store. Now, granted, even, cookbooks and, and websites have that sort of thing, too. But Maybe even the, DoorDash it for you. And then the other example I came up with was uh, I'm bored with my golf clothes. I'm a bit of a golfer if you're new to the show. Um, I want some new golf clothes. And it would know me and my tendencies and the brands I like and that sort of thing and bring me a bunch of uh, alternatives. Again, as opposed to a bunch of ads Google's pushing me on. Feel free to keep engaging that. I'm not going to, so it won't come in the middle of the night and harvest my juices like mm. it will you. Yeah, probably so. Juice! Yeah. <laughs> Chat, GPT, what are you doing here? How did you get in? Ah! Ah! As it punctures me with its needles and its tubes. Right. Pillow over your face, yeah. puncturing you with needles and tubes. To take um, my vital juices, yes. How many of y'all are using more on that coming up? But how many of y'all are using Chat GPT? And for what? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Michelangelo, bring me your finest joke. What's your finest joke you have? A tattoo artist in India recently set a Guinness World Record after spending over 90 consecutive hours giving tattoos to 64 people and hepatitis to 63 people. <laughs> wow. Well, go to a better tattoo place. Come on now. 
So we're talking about chat GPT, and I just threw it out there. How many of y'all are using it? I've been surprised. Like my niece said, oh, yeah, I use it every day. A friend of mine said, oh, yeah, I use it every day. Another friend said, yeah, I use it. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, I got text saying, I'm using it to help me write a thorough argument for our upcoming union negotiations, said that person. Uh, this person says, my sons use chat GPT for school. I've got one in college. One is a freshman in high school. They both use it every day. Uh, I use it daily for work and school. It's going to help me get another master's degree in six months. So there you go. If you're not on board with it, it's it's just kind of a you have you haven't taken the time to look into it because you probably would find um, a, a way to use it for your life. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in the whole using it for education thing. Um, I mean, on the one hand, do you actually know anything or are you just uh, typing something in and the machine that knows everything is giving you something to rephrase? On the other hand, the point of knowledge is to have the knowledge it takes to be successful, right? And sure. if the knowledge is sitting right there and I just all I'm demonstrating to the professors is, yeah, I know how to type. <laughs> I know how to type in a prompt to chat GPT. <sighs> Well, so my, my kids my kids reg- regularly say this. Well, we started saying it when we were kids, when the, when the first calculators started coming out, in like in the mid-70s. That's when calculators became cheap enough that like just regular people could have them. And it was easy for a kid to say, well, why do I need to learn math facts when I can just do this on the calculator? Which wasn't, you know, not a horrible argument then. It's even a better argument now. I mean, because... I mean, because well, you won't always have a calculator with you. Well, you do now. You always <laughs> have your watch with you or your phone with you or whatever. And my kids often say that about learning state capitals or all kinds of different things. Your question, is there any point to downloading the information into your own hard drive in the future if we all have the ability to access it anytime we want? Well, it could certainly be argued you have to know, you have to have the expertise to know exactly what questions to ask. Like if you came to me with terrible headaches and I suspected you had a brain tumor as a guy who knows nothing about oncology or very little about the human brain, I mean, uh, I might click around a little bit and start to gain on it, but, you know, it'd be good to know what you're doing. Yeah, that example works okay, but uh, the examples I used of like learning math facts. If you've always got your Apple Watch with you and you can always say, Siri, what's seven times eight? Do you need? I mean, I don't know. I don't actually I think know. it's good for your brain, honestly. Now, that could be. But, that I don't. That I really don't know. But if, if my question is, <laughs> for instance, um, uh, help me design a uh, HR policies for a company of 100 people, um, do I need a, a master's degree in, in human resources? Or can I just click around and get close enough and move on with my life? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to upend a hell of a lot of uh, enterprises. We talked to one gent who's in, in a field that may or may not insure people. And writing up a policy used to take experience and, uh, you know, expertise and access to all sorts of proprietary information. Now, all you have to do is say, all right, I got this client, this many people, this is their risk, blah, blah, blah. Write me a policy. Bing. Bingo, bango. You go over it. You fix any problems. You submit it. And then it also says, your wife doesn't love you. You should leave her for me. Sometimes it says that. For you, you're a computer. <sighs> don't, don't make me go there. 
It could it could impact the show. I have <laughs> my fertile mind, my agile imagination, Jack, could lead us somewhere we don't want to go. I'll <laughs> say naughty agile stuff. Agile imagination. <laughs> I will say naughty stuff that people get angry at. Uh, so we didn't get to uh, get back to the whole chat GPT oh, and man. how biased it was. Um, it's completely biased. And the folks at the Manhattan Institute actually were able to classify it, politically speaking, uh, what sort of uh, person ChatGPT is politically. Oh, cool. I want to hear that. Um, If you miss an hour of this show, we do four hours. If you ever miss an hour, you can listen to it uh, as a podcast. You look for Armstrong and Getty On Demand wherever you get podcasts. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.